This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast. What's happening, people? Bed and Breakfast is live on Thursday. Ben Heisler, Donovan Smoot, Ian McMillan, the Thursday crew is here. I was telling you guys before we got started that I I was having a morning. I got up plenty of time going through my phone, trying to see if there was sort of you know anything that I missed over you know the the last you know eight, ten hours or so. And all of a sudden, I looked at my phone. It was originally 5.20 Central Time. I looked back at my phone, and it was 5.40. And I was like, I don't understand. How did two minutes become 20 minutes? I kind of feel like that's where we're at right now with March Madness. Like, it Ooh. just kind of snuck up. Same thing with NFL free agency. Like, here we were just a couple of weeks ago with Donovan and Ian on completely opposite sides of the Super Bowl. Um <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. No, I screwed that up. You guys were both on the Rams. It was Peter and Reed that were on the other side. So already off to a rip-roaring start. But it's good to see you both this morning. How's everyone doing? We're good. I'm, we're here. I'm good. I'm awake. I'm alive. Positives. All right. That's, that's... <laughs> Same here. I say that I'm awake, but to be honest, I, I, I'm hurting this morning. I You're could not a fall asleep bit? last night, so... My brain is not firing at 100% capacity. I do have my coffee here, though. So hopefully I'll get a couple of sips of that into me, and I'll be good to go. I'm now slowly starting to switch over to Team Tea. Um, Normally, I'm like a little little bit of an espresso guy, um, just because we don't have a coffee machine. We have like one of those like 10-year-old Nespresso machines, and I'm just I'm too stubborn to get rid of it. But I don't know. I think I might be on Team Tea long term, because that's just something you can just sip on all day. I am. I am. <laughs> Donovan, your team tea. I I enjoy tea more than coffee. I probably oh, drink, I probably on, drink coffee more just because like I I like get used to it. But I had to. There was a point where like I. But the only coffee that I drink is iced coffee. Um, hot coffee puts me to sleep. Wait, hold on. So, <laughs> that's not. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't think we were going to start here on the show today, but, but now we kind of have to. Um, but what what kind of weak ass coffee are you drinking? That no, it's not. It's sweet? not. It's not even weak. It's just like it's it's in my blood. It's in my it's in my culture. My mother is uh, my mother Salvadorian, and so like in, in Spanish countries, you drink coffee like all the time, and so like you they give you coffee as a kid, so it's like you're kind of immune to the caffeine early on and so like i remember in in college like whenever i would try to stay up 
I like those one night where I had to, I like made a pot of coffee and it was hot and I like tried to drink it and it wasn't doing anything for me. And I was getting tired and more tired until like, if, if I need something to pick me up, it has to be iced coffee. The, the warm stuff, it's like, it's like the warm milk type of thing. But for me, like, like the hot coffee just, it doesn't work. I, I, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, the, I'm at a loss for words. It's the same substance though. It's, it's the same liquid. It just doesn't work. It just the temperature shouldn't have an effect on whether or not it makes you sleepy. It does. Wait, yeah. Have you never had like or been told like, oh, warm milk is the thing that puts you to sleep? Nobody ever tells you to drink cold milk to go to sleep. And but there's so, no there's no caffeine in milk unless you I, buy a specific kind of milk. That's like I, 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 understand, I understand that, but the trick on that is it's based around the temperature. It's based around. Like we're gonna warm this thing up and then we're gonna go and do that okay. for the for the coffee. It's the same thing. And so like I like my mother and I would were, were the same on that. We can't drink hot coffee. It puts us it has the reverse effect on us. That's fascinating. Like I I I genuinely learned something today. All right. So so you it's it's more a byproduct of less about the actual ingredients and more about like the mental state. Yeah. Like something cold is more likely to wake up your senses kind of just sort of overwhelm your body to the sense where like, okay, now I'm more focused. I'm more prepared to go. Even if it's something that like is naturally designed to be relaxing. So it's, it's, so. it's more, it's more of a temperature thing as opposed to anything. So, so for tea, if you have cold green tea, that's going to work better on you to wake you up than warm green tea. Yeah. Like I, like I would drink like hot tea for like to like go to sleep or something like some, some chamomile tea to put me to sleep. That's that's where it's at. All right, I I learned something. I I may have to give. I I like iced coffee, but that's sort of more like mid afternoon, like on a hot day for me. Like I was in I was in Israel like a long time ago, and they had like the best blended iced coffee that I've ever had. Like far better than than anything that you can find in the states. Um, maybe maybe not maybe not El El Salvador, like where, where you said your mom is from, because like I've had El Salvadorian coffee, like at a lot of these different like sort of very hipster-esque coffee shops and they like import a lot of it and it's yeah. so good it's so good i don't know what they put it and they and sometimes they serve it in like a you get your coffee mug and they give it to you in like a little beaker mm -hmm. off to the side so you feel like you've just accomplished a science experiment oh that's that's when you know that like all right i'm paying the five dollars that i'm paying for this coffee is is 100 worth it because they served it to me in a science beaker there's a lot to dive into over the course of today's show. We're going to get into some of the interesting quarterback moves uh, that are happening right now. We're going to start there. We're also going to use this as a last jumping point for some of our favorite free agency future bets. Um, and when I say free agent, uh, free agent future bets, which is a lot of Fs to put together back to back to back in a sentence, um, I mean, more so about teams that we like before free agency starts, opportunities to buy low. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about college basketball. We got a few more tournament games. Obviously, we're in the midst of, of all those big series uh, before the NCAA tournament starts. Uh, and then, of course, we'll get to best bets coming up in just a bit. But let, let's start with some of the quarterbacks that have been on the move because I, I feel like we were lied to. Right. We're, we were told that all the veteran quarterbacks are likely staying put. And, and that initially started with with Aaron Rodgers. But now you have Russell Wilson heading out to Denver um, in, in a fairly blockbuster move. Uh, Ian, I know I want to get your thoughts on that because uh, I think you're in the minority when it comes to evaluating that trade. And I know that you got a really good perspective on that. Uh, and then we saw the move for Washington. 
Um, going ahead and acquiring Carson Wentz, moving back to the NFC East after one year in Indianapolis. And personally, if you're, if I'm Washington, I'm thinking if the Colts are this desperate to trade a guy that they gave up a first round pick for, um, I, I don't know if I want to be highly invested in that. To me, that would kind of scare me off. And sure enough, multiple reports were saying that the Colts are ready to move on from Carson Wentz several games before the collapse against Jacksonville. So I guess I'll, I'll start with you, Ian. I'm curious to get your impressions on how this impacts the market, what your thoughts on the actual quarterbacks that are on the move are, and then who, who do you think might be next? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was actually recording a podcast with Will Hill uh, the, the days all the moves went down, and I literally said to him, I don't think any quarterbacks are going to be on the move whatsoever. I think everyone's going to stay put. We stopped recording. Literally two minutes later, Russell Wilson broke news, and then the Carson Wentz straight happened. So – uh, I look like Nitty really quick on that podcast, so I I don't want to get into the prediction game here of who's on the move next because I I truly don't know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a better I'm a gambler. I'm not a I'm not a I'm an NFL insider. I I don't know who's going to move next. I I will say about the Russell Russell Wilson trade though. I tweeted that I think Seattle Seattle won that, and and a big part of that is. I don't think like Russell Wilson wasn't going to do anything else in Seattle. Like his contract was up at the end of next year. He was probably going to ask for a ton of money. Seattle needs to rebuild. They need to kind of, and that's kind of what we've seen happen since that trade has gone down, uh, getting rid of Bobby Wagner as well. Cause that division is stacked. They're not really close to the top level of, uh, of teams in that division. But my biggest shock about Seattle is like, keeping Pete Carroll. Why, why keep like a coach who's 70 plus years old around for a rebuild? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, but I, I think it was the right move. I think they had to get rid of Ru- Russell Wilson if they were planning on rebuilding, which I think was a smart move, but I'm not, are we sure Russell Wilson's still an elite quarterback? Are we sure he might be, but I mean the past season and a half, the, the Seahawks offense has looked stagnant at best. They have not been a good offense for, a season and a half. Maybe that falls on Pete Carroll. Maybe that falls on the coaching staff and, and the schemes and the playbooks and the play calling, which it certainly might be. We might see Russell Wilson go to Denver and all of a sudden uh, be like a top five, top seven quarterback in the NFL again. I don't know though. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't want to go out and say that that, that that he's washed and he's old and he's done, but I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I don't know. That's, that's, that's fair. I think, and I'm I'm with you, Ian. I think that there's a lot of uncertainty around around Russell. Where, where I will give him some credit is, at the same time that they started to let him cook, the defense turned into one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So he had no support on the other side. So I think if he can, if Denver can come out and their defense holds up their end of the bargain, then maybe we could see a Russell Wilson that that we saw early in his Seattle career. And so he doesn't, he's not forced to cook or, or that, or that the, the idea of Russ cooking isn't okay. We're going to, we're going to throw bombs all, all game long. We're going to push the ball down the field. Maybe it's just, Hey, he's going to be game manager plus. And then now Denver is actually doing something and Russ is, he's more, he'll be more efficient the, the plays that he makes would be more, you know, memorable, more impactful because he's not playing from behind the whole time. So to your point, Ian, like there's an aspect to Russ that I think is twofold, right? The, the first is the last year and a half, 
remember the first half of, of the 2020 season, we were talking about Russ as a bona fide MVP candidate, perhaps at the top of the list. And then yeah. over the last 28 games or so, he's been fairly pedestrian. He still finished 11th in the NFL um, in touchdowns a season ago. But if we're talking about Russell Wilson and considering him, like, is he a top 11 quarterback at this point? I, I think people would still consider him in that maybe second tier of guys, you know, anywhere between five and eight. Um, I mean, you finished the 2020 season with 40 touchdowns and we only threw six interceptions a season ago. I, I think what's interesting about this is now that he goes to Denver, like he has said point blank, like the Seattle offense is not tailored to my skill set. My skill set is to push the ball downfield. My skill set is the deep ball. Um, and they had the weapons to be able to make that happen, but Seattle wanted to rely heavily on their defense field position and also run the ball. But the problem is that they had a myriad of guys at that position, right? In Denver, they have weapons around him, but I don't think they're necessarily better weapons than what he had in Seattle. The difference is that the offense is now going to be tailored to him to the point where he can put up the big numbers, get that one final big free agent contract, um, or they try to lock him up to an extension, and, and he sort of pushes himself upwards that way. So I don't know if he's necessarily getting better weapons in Denver, and it's going to be a much tougher schedule in the AFC West. So I, I think it's just a fascinating aspect to it, to where he could play better, but I'm not necessarily sure if the results are going to be much of the same. And Denver has a strong offensive line and a good running game and Javante Williams taking over. So I don't know. Like, I, I think there's a lot of questions that I need to see answered, but it's a fascinating move for a team like Denver to go ahead and pull the trigger, knowing the division that they're in and knowing that their window is already going to be immensely difficult to cover as it is. I think a big thing is uh, I saw a lot of Seahawks fans like very, not happy about the trade and fair enough because when a team commits to a, a rebuild i'm in the middle of it with the falcons it's not fun because it's like ah oh, like I, my team's not going to be good for like a, a at least a few years here but they got a decent haul i think for russell wilson for a guy who's probably going to only be on the team for another year anyway and they weren't going to compete in the nfc west they got rid of him a, a year earlier yeah that sucks russell wilson arguably you know the greatest seahawk of all time but you got a haul you can kind of restart um and kind of start rebuilding so i don't think it's all doom and gloom for seahawks fans it, it, it does like i said it kind of sucks knowing you're going to rebuild but i think you got a decent haul for russell wilson right and, and you have an identity now like now you kind of know right. what you can build that team around and what you want to actually become seahawks right now are in the bottom four or excuse me the bottom five of nfl futures they're with the new york giants at 100 to 1 to win the super bowl um, the only teams that are behind them are the Detroit Lions and Houston Texans at 150 to one and the poor New York Jets at 200 to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, meanwhile, the, the move up for the Denver Broncos seems a little bit high. It seems like a major. Well, very, very high. Strike up. They're the number four team right now at WinBet to win the Super Bowl. They are tied with the Rams. Um, the 49ers and the Tennessee Titans at 12 to one. Um, so I, I, it sounds like we're all in agreement when it comes to Denver's number being far too high. Yeah. They're they're Listen, all, we're, we're doing all this. They're going to end up seven and 10 and, and just, <laughs> and just, you know, keep it, keep it moving. Like you're, you're in a, you're in a division with Mahomes and Herbert. And, and I've, I've seen a lot of people, you know, make jokes about the Raiders, like Derek Carr, the Raiders are going to steal a game from Denver. Like they're, they're not going to not be competitive. 
against them. So like that's that's the toughest division in football. They have to play them what six times. So it's it's not going to be just you know butterflies and roses for for Denver this season. By the way, if we're talking about rebuilds, I'm just gonna say if we're talking about rebuilds. The Raiders are sixty to one to win the the Super Bowl, uh, and I know that they have a brand new GM. They have Josh McDaniels, so you can probably assume that you can try and win now. But in that division, that's a team that I would think heavily about rebuilding. You have plenty of time to get the type of players, organization structurally that you want. Um, go ahead and get some draft capital. Like that, that to me is a team that if you move on from Derek Carr in this free agent market, you're going to get a haul back. Right? Like if Carson Wentz can be moved, Derek Carr can be moved to a team in desperate need of a quarterback. And and that's going to be a team that is fairly serviceable. You bring Derek Carr to a contender like like Pittsburgh, if Pittsburgh trades for Derek Carr, like they're they're right back in the mix of things in the AFC North. So I think that's a team that I would absolutely consider rebuilding at this point in a very, very difficult division. But it sounds like it sounds like you're gonna let them continue. Yeah. Let yeah, let, let them continue. I I'm kind of anti and like I'm listen as a and somehow we always I always find a way to bring them up but like as a Knicks fan uh being told that you're gonna go into a rebuild is not a great thing because you never know what's like how long that process is and and you never know you know how how long is this gonna take and so you just and so it's just somebody telling you hey we're gonna suck for you know indefinitely. And that's not a fun place to be. And I don't think that there's a lot of guarantees. So I think anytime that you can go forward to try and make yourself competitive, regardless of who's in your division, especially internally, I think I think there's a there's a level of self-awareness that you should have. But at the same time, there is a spirit of competition and competitiveness that you should have and like belief in in your organization that you should go for it when you have a chance. So if you're the Raiders who last year ended up second in that division and you have a Chiefs team that 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 defense is far from elite and so they can get got, the Chargers always find ways to lose. We don't know what the Broncos are. So like we're hyping up the AFC West as this crazy division and it probably will be. It's going to be unpredictable. And But to me, that just means that the Raiders might be able to sneak in there. Yeah, put put some respect on the Raiders. Everyone trashes the Raiders. They're There's sixty no to one to. on the Super Bowl odds list. They made the playoffs by beating the Chargers in the last game of the season. And everyone's oh, Chargers this, Justin Herbert that. What happened to the Chargers and Justin Herbert in the last game? You lost to the Raiders. I know it was an overtime. They could have needed out and both made the playoffs, but the Raiders made the playoffs over the Chargers. They were the second best team in the division like two months ago. And now exactly. everyone's trashing on them. Sixty to one win the Super Bowl, rebuild, trade Derek Carr. The Raiders team was just in the playoffs. So let, let them let them go I back. Still, I got, still rank them above the Broncos, to be honest. I don't know. I don't think the Russell Wilson trade. I don't think they they. I don't think that makes them better than the Raiders. The Raiders have gotten better every single year for the last three years. They've improved their their win total every single year. Let let them let them cook. Let them be okay. Like let's let's try it out. If now if we get to week eight, <laughs> you know, and they're two and six, maybe, maybe we can have this conversation. But it's preseason. Like let's. Let's be a little optimistic. All right, so I'm on the on the playoff on the playoff Raiders. Exactly. 
this is still i mean if we're ian you're you're the you're the statistics guy like there were bottom 11 in the league in in overall dvoa like they gave up the the 26 most points in the league on the defensive side like they had to win four games in a row with an interim head coach just to to get into the playoffs and they did it and they, right. did. and they did it. <laughs> Derek Carr, Derek Carr is a winner. That's like I think. I don't wow, think. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, 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 I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent serious. You look at that team, and and you look at everything that they went through with John Gruden stuff, with the Henry Rugg stuff. Darren Waller missed a whole bunch of games, and somehow, right, the defense, like Ben just said, twenty six in in scoring, and somehow. They they did exactly what they needed to do, and they got into the playoffs. And that's because of, of Derek Hart. I think every, at the beginning of, of every season for this season, and I think even a little bit of last year, Derek Carr's name has always been bubbling around the MVP conversation. Now, the problem has been consistency with, with the team and with that defense because that defense is terrible. But if you look at the 2020 season, that defense was worse than it was this year. And somehow they went, they went eight and eight. Somehow they, they got to, to 500 and it's because Derek Carr, Derek Carr is a good quarterback. And so, yeah, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him winner title. I think that he's, that he can be one of those guys. Interesting. I mean, he's 57 and 70 for his career. Um, I, I, again, I'm not a big proponent of quarterback win loss record. Um, and, and there have been some lean times for him. I, I think this year was a good example of he helped put the team on his back and he was a good, I think he's a terrific leader. I, I don't know if I necessarily would call him a winner. Like he's somebody that if okay. we're talking about a quarterback okay. that I would feel comfortable with and stable with like, yeah, Derek, Derek Carr belongs in that conversation. Um, and that's why I think like, if the Raiders were considering a rebuild, he is a great, great bargaining chip, especially with a very weak draft class, a very weak free agent class, um, and then potential trade partners that you just don't like. The numbers for Kirk Cousins are far are far better over the last few years than that of Derek Carr. But if you're talking about a guy that I would trust more, if I had to acquire a quarterback, I, I would trust Derek Carr more than I would trust Kirk Cousins. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I can't stand Kirk Cousins. (laughs) But again, like the numbers for Cousins have been very, very good over the last few years. And that's a reported name uh, that could be on the move too. Um, I mean, we, well, we can talk a little bit about Carson Wentz. We can also talk about some other potential names like uh, Donovan. I know you put down uh, a couple different, a couple different teams that we think could, can consider that. Um, I think Jordan Love to Seattle actually makes a ton of sense. If we're talking about potential trades, um, the Steelers are, are likely going to be pursuing Deshaun Watson, uh, assuming that his criminal case on Friday, uh, if he gets cleared. Um, but to me, Jordan Love to Seattle makes a lot of sense. If we're talking about potential quarterbacks on the move, um, that, that's somebody that you can kind of hide them a little bit with a strong running game. Um, let the defense try to start figuring things out. It's a rebuild. So he'll have plenty of time. He's still a first round pick. Um, you know, Wilson wanted that offense tailored to him in Seattle. Didn't get it. Jordan love doesn't need that in that, you know, in that time in, in his career. And also Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator for Seattle is a Sean McVay disciple. And then Sean McVay came from the, um, uh, the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree. So it's the same offense that essentially he was learning under Nathaniel Hackett, 
under Matt LaFleur and under Aaron Rodgers the last two years in Green Bay. So that might be a name. Like, I know that they got Drew Locke in the trade, but but Jordan Love could be a name that I think makes a lot of sense. I would put those odds at, at two to one. Uh, what about for you, Donovan? Is there another quarterback that you think could be on the move and who would be next? Yeah, and re- re- really quickly, because the, the I, I wanted to touch on this Jordan Love thing. We need to stop talking about Jordan Love because he's not he's not a, a good quarterback. I, I learned everything that I needed to know about Jordan Love last offseason because when Aaron Rodgers isn't set to come back, and the Packers weren't even trying to push this narrative of, oh, we're going to be okay. Like, you heard nothing about, oh, wow, Jordan Love, he's he's really slinging it. Like, he's really picking up the offense. And they weren't trying – like, Green Bay wasn't pushing that narrative at, at all. And I think that if Jordan Love was anything, then we would have heard some of that, and we heard none of that. So, I, I'm – I me mean, personally, I'm out on, on Jordan Love. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> I, I agree that he's that we don't know if he's good. I, I I'm not I'm not here to definitively. He's played one game and he didn't look good in two years. Like I still think there's an upside level there that just hasn't been pursued. So if you're Seattle, you can take advantage of a Packers team that has to move him at this point. And I think giving up a mid third or a fourth for for Jordan Love, um, who has two potentially three years left on a rookie deal in the middle of a rebuild. Like that's just good value for a guy that could have the most upside out of all the quarterbacks coming out of this draft. That's, that's fair. I, I would, I would try and start fresh with the quarterback that with the, with the, with the newer quarterback, as opposed to going to, to Jordan love. Uh, but the, the quarterback that I have my eye on in the spot is, is Indianapolis uh, who just traded Carson Wentz. And as much as I um, have, quote unquote beef with this guy. I think that Jimmy G to the Colts makes a lot of sense. I think Indianapolis has had so much instability at the quarterback position over the last six years. Uh, I think it's the it's the last six years that they've had a different week one starter than the year prior. And Jimmy G, although his ceiling is not very high, um, I think that the Colts know what they are getting with with Garoppolo. And that stability is something that they that they're probably going to search out for, um, and that that way they that way they they understand how to build their offense. They know what's going to go down. I think that I think it makes sense to go get a veteran quarterback. He's listen. He's been in playoff games. He's been in a Super Bowl. They need somebody who can just hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor and get out the way. Jimmy G is that is that kind of guy where he should have no problem handing the ball off thirty times a game. And, and Indianapolis should be chasing that. Yeah, is there a quarterback you think is on the move? Uh, yeah, kind of an obvious thing. Then this is a name that's popped up a few times about going to the Giants, and that's uh, Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I think he's probably – he. Uh, is it fair to say he was like the best backup quarterback in the NFL last year? Was there any team that had a better backup than the Bills? You think, you, you think Trubisky is going to get another shot somewhere? He's going to get another shot, but that just, I think it's a result of him being away from Chicago, watching Matt Nagy fail in Epic, <laughs> like just watch the fireworks around him and just ever have everything blow up. Uh, so you, know, I, you know, you know, a coach does such a bad job. The teams are like, oh, maybe the quarterback that stunk there for three years isn't so bad after all. Maybe yeah. we'll give him a shot. I, I, I think he can be like, 
a very serviceable league average quarterback in the right system with the right coach. Like I, I think Mitch Trubisky would be a terrific backup in the NFL. And I think where he was, was a perfect place for him, but one team's going to inevitably overpay. But where do you, do you have an idea of where you think he ends up? Well, the rumors are the giants. I think that's kind of weird. Cause I think him and Daniel Jones are basically the same guy. Right. I feel like they're two very similar like styles of quarterbacks. So like if those two guys get put into quarterback battle, it's like, flip a coin you're choosing like two sides of the same coin um i think he would kind of make a lot of sense with with the colts though to be honest i know uh and donovan you just brought that up jimmy g to the colts is obviously the hot name right now and that would make a lot of sense but i think so would trubisky uh t i I like that both those guys are quarterbacks who kind of need a run game to kind of take the charge of the offense but can kind of manage manage uh, the offense behind the running game Uh, uh garoppolo fits the bill trubisky fits the bill so uh, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him go to a, a, a team like the Colts. I don't want to because I don't think he's not going to succeed in New York. I, I think New Spe- York. Is New- yeah, especially especially with the media there, the uh, the market like it's 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 just going to be Chicago all over again. Put him to a little bit of a smaller market team. Let him kind of play behind a, a team with a, an offense with a good run game and see what happens. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe a team like Seattle also potentially in the mix if they want to think that they can maybe speed up their rebuild a little bit as well, give them an opportunity for competition with Drew Locke. Um, but Brian Dable being in New York, I think that's sort of naturally where uh, a lot of those two would intersect. I, I want to give us an opportunity to talk about some teams that we would go ahead and jump on in the futures market before free agency starts. Um, right now at WinBet, like you can still find all your different NFL futures, and a lot of these teams are going to move uh, once more players are signed. Buffalo still remains the favorite followed by Kansas City, Green Bay, Denver, and then, as I mentioned, a lot of teams over at 12-1. to 1. But, um, Ian, let me start with you on this one. Is there a team before free agency and the tampering period starts on Monday that you feel is going to be active and worth jumping on on the earlier side? Yeah, and this is – I think I've brought this up in, in, a, in a best bets video uh, roundtable, I think, maybe a, a couple weeks ago. But the the Buccaneers, 35-1, to 1, I think I think makes the most sense ahead of free agency. Still seems like a team that with, I mean, they're right there in the playoffs going to contend or they were contending for a Super Bowl and then their quarterback retired. If they get a quarterback, pretty much the same roster for the most part. I think didn't one of their, did one of their starting offensive linemen just retire? Yeah, I think. Right. So that does hurt them a little bit, obviously, as well. But uh, and I'm still not totally convinced Tom Brady is not going to come back. But I mean, if they get any kind of quarterback uh, in the offseason, they're automatically immediately the runaway favorites to at least win the NFC South because that division stinks. Like the Falcons might win uh, the NFC South. I would love that as a Falcons fan, but let's be honest, the NFC South right now stinks. The Buccaneers get a quarterback. Maybe they're not Super Bowl contenders at the very least they're runaway favorites to win that division. So uh, Buccaneers 35 to one, like I said, they'll at least be in the playoffs by winning the division. All they need is a quarterback. I like, that. I like that pick. I'm going with uh, with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. I, 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 and the only thing that makes me, you know, quote unquote hesitant is is the fact that he still didn't have um, elite pass catchers like on, on on the outside. But if you look at the AFC, specifically the AFC West, those guys are going to knock each other out. Like that that division at this point is is a crapshoot, and while I think like like Den- we, we talked about it earlier, Denver's number to win the Super Bowl is way too high. I think Kansas City Kansas City is going to be high, 
And obviously they should be because they have Mahomes, but that defense is a problem. And then the Chargers still, you know, have have issues that they need need to go through. But that division, they're all going to be super close and they're going to knock each other out. And so I would and so I think that right now there's there's value in Baltimore because we're going to get a healthy Lamar Jackson back. We're going to get a chance to to get this number. If they go out and sign a, a top wide receiver, if they go and get an Antonio Brown, if they make a, a big trade or, or something like that, then you'll probably see this number rise a little bit. The AFC North, I'm I I'm not sold that Cincinnati is going to run this thing back and be as successful as they were last year. I think um, I think Pittsburgh until they get a quarterback, they're going to be in some trouble. And then Cleveland still has Baker Mayfield, so I'm not going to even address them. Um, so I think so I think I, I think that the Ravens have have some pretty good value getting their whole team back. Ravens are a good play. I I think I would imagine that they'd be active, especially to try and get him some more help as well, trying to improve that offensive line. So I, I think that play as well. Tampa Bay is also very interesting. You're right, Ian. Uh, if Brady decides to come back or if they get that quarterback, all of a sudden they're right back in the top of that division. So a good opportunity to buy low. Uh, for me, it's a team that we just addressed, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I admire Chris Ballard as somebody and a GM who immediately recognized his mistake. Um, yes, we can crush him for going ahead and trading for Carson Wentz at the time, but they needed a quarterback, and that was one of the higher upside options available minus the NFL draft. Um and they also had Frank Reich, who in an, uh, in, a, uh, in, an, in an interview at The Athletic basically said, I went and stuck my neck out for this guy, and it just didn't work out. So when you're a general manager, normally you're tied to those plays, and you try to give, give yourself time in hopes that it will work out. And he said, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to go ahead and try to fix this problem immediately. Like I, I give him a lot of credit for that, even though he made the mistake recognizing those immediately as a general manager, I think is a really good skill set. Um, and that's a team that with every other part of their team is ready to win right now. Really strong offensive line, good running and passing game with the improvement of Michael Pittman, their defense. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt Eberflus is now the head coach in Chicago, uh, but they bring in Gus Bradley. It's a veteran group. They just need to improve their pass rush and they have money to spend in free agency as well. So Colts at 25 to one with the right quarterback. Uh, I think they are in line and, and what I think is also a fairly weak division, too, it's going to be them in Tennessee. Uh, and maybe the <sighs> Titans at some point start to dip a little bit as well. Um, so Bring back Phillip Rivers. Stop it. That that man is coaching high school football. One more <laughs> year. One more year. Was, you should have said that last year. It's, it's a wrap now. It's a, it's a wrap now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a family man. He's got he's got his seven or eight kids to, to chase after coaching high school football. I know. He's I, just I, fun. I miss him. He's definitely fun. You're right. Like that would be very, very intriguing if he ended up coming back. And then maybe, maybe that opens the floodgates for, for Brady as well. Uh, let's dive into best bets. We got uh, two, actually all three of us are, are going on the college front today. Uh, we're going at uh, the ACC tournament, the SEC tournament. I'm focused on the big 10 tournament as well. Uh, so Donovan, the floor is yours. We'll go Donovan, Ian, and then I'll close things out. Uh, who do you like as far as the SC, or as far as the uh, ACC tournament goes today? Yeah, so I'm I'm on Duke minus 14 and a half versus Syracuse. Um, listen, that that loss to North Carolina was embarrassing, um, especially on Coach K's final night. And so I think that they are going to they, they they're going to come out and this is in Coach K's post game speech. He's said like the regular season's over. We still have a second thing, and so I think he's going to have everybody ready. 
Um, Duke, listen, they're first in the conference in offensive and defensive um, efficiency. And our guy Joe Summers over at Bedside wrote a piece yesterday about how Duke is undefeated against the spread after a loss this season. They're winning those games by um, by over 20 points. Um, I, I just I, this is a pure motivation play for Duke. I think that they're just going to be ready and fired up to get the second half of the season started and try and get Coach K as many as many wins on his way out as possible. Who do you have for today, Ian? Uh, to Donovan's point, Buddy Beheim uh, oh for that game as well. So uh, yeah, you, that's going to hurt. You can't Syracuse punch a other lot. players. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's frowned upon. <laughs> yes, uh, I like uh, I like uh, Vanderbilt plus five and a half against uh, Alabama today in the SEC. I think Alabama is one of the most overrated teams in the country right now. They can shoot. The, or, they don't even shoot the three ball well. They do shoot the three ball. Not even they can shoot the three ball. They have the 12th highest three-point uh, shot rate in the country. And when they do get hot from three, they look good. So they kind of seduce people into thinking that they're a better team than what they are. But let's make no mistake about it. Crimson Tide stink this year. And now they're going up against a Vanderbilt team that's 27th in the country in opponent three-point field goal percentage. Uh, so uh, a team that shoots the three ball a lot, playing against uh, one of the better uh, perimeter defenses in the country. Vanderbilt just overall has a better defense, 67th in defensive efficiency compared to Alabama, 233rd. And then finally, Alabama coughs the ball up a lot. A big reason why I'm not believers in them whatsoever. 20, 264th in turnovers per possession. And Vanderbilt forces a lot of turnovers, 36th in opponent turnovers per possession. So stylistic matchup uh, fits Vanderbilt quite a bit in a, in a few different areas. They just played a couple weeks ago. Alabama only won by two. So uh, Vanderbilt plus five and a half today uh, against Alabama and the SEC. That's a really nice line for Vanderbilt. I really like that play. I also like the two play as well. They're they're going to come out firing, and I think you're right, Donovan. Like that's a team that we're just we're very tight. Like that whole game against North Carolina, I think you're going to see them play as about as relaxed as they possibly can. It's a matchup that they've they've seen Syracuse before, so they know how to navigate through the zone. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take an opportunity to to bet my own team here, and I never do that, but this is what they've done all season long. It's consistent as anybody in the country, um, and then the second half comes, and they find a way to wilt and crumble, and that's what's going to happen with Indiana today. Uh, They opened as a two-point dog against Michigan in the 8-9 matchup in the Big Ten. That line has actually moved in the opposite direction. They're now plus three and a half for the game. But Indiana, one of the best first-half teams in all of college basketball. They're tied for 11th over a team ranking, rankings, power rankings, which is a series net rating, along with several other metrics that determine teams that have had a lot of success in the first half. Um, but in the second half, they fall all the way from 11th to 97th in the country. They've been a team that just has inability to be able to fix a lot of the mistakes. Their offense becomes stagnant. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis inside gets doubled. He tries to pass it out. He can't take over games. And Michigan has Hunter Dickinson inside to be able to slow him down. Uh, meanwhile, Michigan just beat the hell out of Indiana in Bloomington the last time they played. So it's going to be a closer game. Indiana, clearly the more desperate team. I think even if Michigan loses, they can still probably get in. The Hoosiers need to win a couple games of the Big Ten. Uh, It's Mike Woodson's first Big Ten tournament, so he's going to have his team fired up, at least initially, which is how they've played for most of the year. So go ahead, jump on Indiana Moneyline to win the first half. Those odds actually have not been put up over at WinBet as of yet. I expect it to be up fairly soon. Uh, And then go ahead and and find an opportunity to jump on Michigan in much better numbers once Indiana has gotten off to a lead in the first half because that's what the Hoosiers do. That's what the Hoosiers will continue to do as long as they remain active. 
find a way to blow leads late. So there you have it, guys. That is our best bets for Thursday. A uh, couple of quick uh, housekeeping notes to let you know about. We will have a new bet and breakfast on Monday. Uh, no bet and breakfast actually next Thursday as our whole team is going to be out in New York getting together, meeting up for the first time. But we will have plenty of NCAA coverage for you ahead of the tournament for both the men's and women's side. Some special videos coming out early next week. And then, of course, every preview, every matchup for every game, that's all going to be available for you over at that side at helping you navigate your brackets, your bets, whatever you need along the way. So for my guys, Donovan and Ian, I am Ben. We always appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Bet and Breakfast. May all of your bets hit. And until then, talk to you on Monday. So long, everybody. Thank you.